Good morning. Thank you so much for the great worship. I am a worshiper. I like to worship more than I like to preach. And that's a little bit unusual for a preacher. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew 13. And one of the things that I want to share with you a little bit is about our ministry before we jump into the passage. If it works and if it cooperates with us, we will have an image on the screen here in just a minute. There it is that I was hoping for. One of the things you'll learn about me in this message is there's some things that I believe have been very co-opted by the enemy. And it's one of the greatest joys of mine in ministry is to go back and take those things back. And uh, one of the things that has happened for me in transition is this is an image that characterizes who we are as a ministry. Braveheart Outpost is the name of our ministry. If you're interested in finding out more, I won't bore you with a lot of details, but you can look at www.braveheartoutpost.com. Just run it all together, and it should pull up our homepage, and you can go through there and see our story of what's unfolded. But one of the things that has always captivated me, and one of the things that this picture uh, pick, uh, details and picks out, and it's kind of hard to see the full details of this picture, it was a, a painting of Charles, uh, let me see if I can pronounce his last name, Shravogel, in 1899 of the Old West. It's a picture of the cavalry coming to rescue one of their mates, the comradeship. He was trying to show the comradeship of the soldiers during the time of war. One of the things that if you look at Scripture closely, and this is where we draw our name, Braveheart Outpost, is from Ephesians 6 is one of those places. And in the bottom of that, you know, the, uh, Paul goes through a lot of details about spiritual warfare. He gives us our weapons there. He gives us our defensive weapons, and there's a number of them there. There's one offensive weapon that he gives us. It's the Word, the Sword of the Spirit. And, uh, and then in the end, he says, pray for me that I might fearlessly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things that has happened in our day and time are a lot of those mysteries have been lost in the Christian faith. And one of the things that we're trying to do as Braveheart Outpost is go back and recapture some of those things and uh, present them in a little different way that opens up people's hearts to God and His speaking and His moving and His working in their life. And one of the things we like to do is we like to help people realize, Christians and lost uh, folks as well, those that are unchurched, is to see how they've lost heart. And once, once they recognize that they've lost heart, how to get that whole heart back, how to live from that perspective. And it's just like when you come to the Lord, you enter the gate. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning because there is a whole wide open pasture of abundant life that God wants you to experience. I'd like for you to pray for my wife. She's not with me. Her name is Rhonda today. We have kind of a mysterious event unfold with our ministry the last uh, few months. A uh, small church in the middle of nowhere that was about to close their door says, okay, you say you'll come alongside churches. Will you come alongside us and help us? find life in the midst of just about closing our doors. So we're doing that uh, on a part-time basis with them, with our ministry. She's there filling in for me this morning. She says she's not preaching. She's just sharing from her heart. But I want you to remember her in, in your prayers. Her name is Rhonda as well. But one of the things that we firmly believe and that we know is that the context we have been set forth in 
in all of us is the church. It is a battle. It is a war that is going on. And it is the greatest war of all wars between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, between Jesus establishing his kingdom and Satan trying to thwart all of that. And if you read uh, Revelation 12, one of the things you'll discover that it wasn't very much of a silent night spiritually when Jesus was born. It was all out the rage of hell that was unfolding. And once Mary was arrived at the purpose that she was there for, to give birth to Jesus, the enemy tried to stop that. He tried to stop the birth of Jesus himself and stop Jesus. was unsuccessful in that. And guess what? Now we are the target. The church, every believer, is the target of the enemy. So he's going to try to seek to steal, kill, and destroy. Take all of that away from you that he can. And he will start by trying to take your heart out. So that's what we try to do is help people recognize where they have lost heart and, and the steps, some of the process to go through to get that heart back. And uh, Jesus is really the only person that can do that, that can give you that heart back. And so that's what we try to do as a ministry. We try to do that in a number of different ways. And so this morning, I say greetings on behalf of Braveheart Outpost and uh, share that with you. This morning, as we begin to jump into the message, one of the things that I want you to see is this one thought, that God can change you. God can change you from the inside out if you let him. Just a few moments ago, I was sharing with you how that we can experience Jesus coming into our life and him rescuing our hearts. And one of the things that happens is that so many so many Christians have the mentality in our day and time that that's, that's it. They, they've made it. They've crossed the finish line at that point. But th- that's a lie from the enemy. Because one of the things that I want you to know is that it is only the beginning. It is the opening of a door to a whole brand new life here on this earth. And it's the, it, it is a relationship. It is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior that is initiated at that point. In Ezekiel 36, he talks about, he says, at that point, I'm going to take you and I'm going to clean you up. Guess what? You don't have to get your act together before you come to Christ. That's what grace is all about. Because in Ezekiel 36, he states there, he says, I will sprinkle you with new water and I will clean you up. He takes care of that. His, that's his work. That's not our work. That's his job. Let's let him do that. And then he also says in that passage, I will give you a new spirit. He infuses a new life inside of you. And then the next thing that passage says that he does is that I will give you a new heart as well. And that is the point where there is a regeneration of life like you can't even begin to imagine, that we can't even begin to fathom. If we will just be like a little child and believe these silly old preachers that tell us this stuff and believe the truth that we read from Scripture and just come to Him like a little child and just crawl up in His lap and make the most important thing the most important thing, guess what? He's going to speak to your heart and He is going to draw things out of you that brings a deep healing, a deep restoration because one of the things that we firmly believe as Braveheart Outpost is there is a deep work of redemption. 
And it's contained in, in some words. Reconcile. He reconciles us unto God. He brings us into that right fellowship with God. He does that work of restoration. Restoration. And He rebuilds us into what He wants us to be. He starts that relationship with us. It's not, it doesn't happen overnight. It is a journey. It is a walk with Him. And in that walk with us, He does things to father our hearts. He does things to father our hearts. And as He fathers our hearts, there's a lot of unbelievable things that happens. He gives us spiritual guidance to the specific details of our lives, to the specific details of our faith community. He gives us wise counsel as to who we are, as to what He wants to change inside of us to make us more like Him. So that when the world bumps into us, they don't bump into our former life. They don't bump into a set of rules and regulations and formulas, but that they bump into the person and the Spirit of Jesus Christ that resides within us. And that when they have an experience and an encounter with that, they're drawn to Jesus through us. We're going to speak to that a little later in this message this morning. But I want you to see that God can change you from the inside out. I want us to look at the parable of the leaven. The favorite thing in scriptures that I preach from, and this is not what I originally had planned uh, to share with you. Nelson asked me about uh, three weeks ago if I would fill in for him and I wanted to because I've so wanted to come visit the work that was, God was doing through Nelson and through you. I kept up with you through the website. I'm a prayer partner with Nelson in this, and we talk from time to time. And I was just wanting to come visit. So when he asked me, it was an easy answer for me. Oh, yes, I would love to come. And uh, one of the things that unfolded in that is the Lord gave I felt like the Lord gave me something early on in the week, and then by Friday I had it all together, had my PowerPoints together. It was all ironed out, and it was all settled. And then all of a sudden there was an unease in my spirit with that, and he began to take me in a different direction. And through uh, Friday afternoon, evening, and yesterday, uh, went somewhere else, and this is where I wound up. The parable of the leaven, and this idea is of Jesus wanting to change you from the inside out. I want to read from the NIV, and uh, it'll be up in the PowerPoints. You will be able to uh, see that as we go through this. Uh, But I'm going to read from Matthew 13, starting with verse 33. It says, He told them still another parable. This is Jesus, speaking of Jesus. One of the things that he liked to do, he liked to speak in stories, and story is the language of the heart. Uh, The Lord is reorientating me, has been for the last six years, of how to deal, how he wants to deal with people's hearts. And he's teaching me how to reconnect. And one of the reasons I love the parables are they are the stories, they are the language of the heart, and they connect deeply. He doesn't oftentimes give explanations for most of his parables, but one of the things that does unfold, man, it reaches down deep in the lives of the people then, and it does today as well. And so here Jesus is beginning to tell another one of those parables. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. 
Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. I want us to pray before we go any further. Father, as we gather around the table of our lives, Lord, we readily admit that there are days when the burdens that we carry literally chafe our shoulders and wear us down. Father, this room may be filled with a number of weary hearts and weary people this morning. But Father, when the road seems dreary and the road seems endless, and the skies are gray and they're threatening, and when our lives seem to have no music in them and our hearts are lonely and our souls have lost their courage, we just pray that you will flood the path with light. We beseech you to do that this morning, Father, through this word. And turn our eyes and turn our spirits and turn our hearts to where the skies are full of promise, Lord. Our hearts are restless, dear Father, until they rest in you. And Father, may we find that great resting place in you this morning. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Before we go any further, one of the things that I want to do is use something that I think are parables in our day and time. I'm going to share with you a couple of movie trailers, and they tell the story of two men, and this sort of sets the stage of what I want to share with you this morning. So let's watch these two movie clips. How many of us sit quietly all alone and we pray that same prayer? Father, give me peace from the war that is inside me, inside my heart and inside my spirit. I know that story. I've lived that story. One of the things that unfolds in the lives of these two men, one is an actual true life story, the Antoine Fisher story. The other one is actually true in the way of the analogies that it draws. One becomes nothing but a jerk, and he gets called a jerk four times in one day. Does that make you a jerk? I kind of think it would. If you see the movie, you know how his story goes. He is a jerk until he begins to experience the memories of who he was as a child and the things that he walks back through, the experiences that he had in his life, the things that wounded his heart, the things that brought that assault into his life, all of those things and how they unfolded. And when he worked through that, one of the things that these things do, their story, and they can open up the door of our heart in some ways, but one of the things that I can tell you about these stories is they are limited. They are limited in how they deal with the issues of the wounded heart and the wounded spirit. And one of the things that I want to share with you this morning is the complete story of how that unfolds. The complete story of how God wants to enter into every area of your life. 
Come to know Him as your Savior and Lord. Have your heart rescued in that way. Experience that regeneration that I spoke of earlier in the service. And to begin that walk of finding that abundant life with Jesus Christ. One of the things that really rattled me as a teenager growing up, I came to Christ, I lived in very tragic situations of my childhood of an alcoholic father, and one of the things that unfolded out of all of those years of formation was a very wounded heart. But one of the things I had the great experience of that was a parallel part of that journey was having a mom who made sure that I knew what the Christian faith was about seeing her kneel beside her bed at night with her uh, Bible that was literally made out of black paper with uh, the red paper edges. And she would have that thing, and she would pray, and she would get down on her knees. And uh, just the things that she did to encourage my heart and, and to make sure that I was in church, to hear the message of Jesus Christ and what unfolded there and have my heart rescued. And one of the things that began to unfold for me as I came to Christ and I began to walk with Him and I began to experience these things that He wanted to do inside of me is I would read the Bible and I would look at my church that I was in and it was almost like two different pictures. And I can remember raising the questions, okay, Jesus, is this real Is this who I really am? Is this who I can really be? Is this the life that I can really live? Do you really think that I can do greater works than these as you told your disciples that you did? Can I experience that? Can I know that? And then what I would see, and even as a young man, as I would grow into adulthood, what I experienced was two different things. What I read and what I lived was two different pictures sometimes. There was a war going on inside of me, trying to get to be the man of faith that God had created me to be, had called me to be, and given me the life to be, and to experience that in my life. And as that unfolded and as that went on inside of me, I kept raising that picture and I eventually asked, okay, God, is this just a glamour shot? You know how folks uh, used to go to the mall and they'd get all dolled up and all fixed up and they would get their picture made like that. Well, I was in someone's house that did that and it was a woman uh, and I got myself in real trouble with this. I looked over and glanced at the table and trying to create chit-chat and conversation and break the ice, those kind of things. I broke the ice all right. I looked at that picture and I says, who is this? And she looked at me and she says, that's me. And they had glamoured her up so that I didn't even recognize her. And it got me in all kinds of trouble in hot water with her. But that's what I was asking Jesus. Jesus, is this just a glamour shot or is, can this be real in my life? And there were things inside my heart, there are things that go on inside of us sometimes that are at war of trying to live that abundant life trying to know that abundant life, that personal relationship with Jesus Christ where we exercise and live our faith that helps bring the kingdom into our life and brings us at that peaceful place of rest, that green pasture that God intends for us to know through His Son, Jesus Christ. One of the things that unfolds in this is that Deep change and deep transformation is not an easy journey. Deep change and deep transformation is not an easy journey. Personality change is not easy. 
Most of us have been very conditioned in life. We are conditioned creatures by what goes on in the circumstances of our lives, especially the formative years of our lives. And we carry those things with us all throughout our life, the thought processes, the behavior patterns, all of those things. And when we come to Jesus Christ, he rescues our heart. But not only that, he begins to mold us and shape us and bring restoration to our hearts and a rebuilding process in that journey to make us more like him and to live out our calling in this life. And every person in this room has a calling. Every person in this room has a calling from God on high of a way to live out your life. And some specific things that he wants to say and speak who, through who you are. And what do people experience when they bump into you? When they bump into your spiritual orbit of your life, what are they experiencing? Are they experiencing the fig leaves that we hide behind? Do the things that we do, do what we are here on Sunday mornings, are they the same reflections that people see out through the week that we bump into in our work and in our play and in our family life? In all of those things. You see, deep change and transformation is not an easy journey. I've come to find out that a lot of people don't even want to go here because a lot of the ministry that we do is based around this very thing. And I have come to find out that it's very hard to entice people into this message and to lead them. And we just have to depend on the Lord to do that. To put their hearts in a position where they recognize where they are and they see what is going on. You see, our personalities are the sum total of our individual individuality. It is the outward expression of the inward person. Remember, there was a time in Jesus' ministries where he was dealing with a, a group of people, and he says, this is not who you really are. He said, you're like whitewashed tombs. Because what he saw coming out of them was not what he saw on the outside of them. So Jesus dealt with this in his ministry. In many ways. Our personality is an entire picture of ourself, our beliefs, our conviction, our impulses, our desires, and our instincts. And people around us experience us, they know us through that very part of who we are. And there are a lot of things that go into shaping our personality. A lot of things. One of the things that I shared with you, the picture earlier on, was to set up something that I wanted to do in the message today. The next screen that's going to come up, you're going to see something. And one of the things that unfolds is that we have been cast behind enemy lines. That's part of the context of the role of our lives as believers. We have been cast in the context into enemy lines. We're in a battle. We're in a struggle. We're in a cataclysmic war of all ages. And one of the things that happens that I brought out to you from Revelation chapter 12 a little earlier is that you have a target on your back. You have a target on your back. You're part of the target because you are a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of your life. And the enemy wants to just disrupt all of that. He wants to steal it all away, and he wants to bring utter destruction in your life if you let him, if you let him. And that's the key to the whole thing, if you let him. 
The next slide, I want to go ahead and pull up the next slide. And one of the things that it does, that it shows something in particular about how this unfolds in the midst of the context of the battles and the struggles that we're in. Our hearts are assaulted by the enemy. Life assaults our hearts. And in the process, our hearts become wounded. It's like somebody pulls an arrow back and they shoot that arrow and it pierces us right in the heart. And it wounds our hearts. I'll give you a picture of this. Uh, you'll see I'm a typical man who likes man movies. Uh, Brave Heart, the movie. One of my favorite scenes in there is one of the fathers. They're in the middle. It's an older man in the movie. I love the character. I love him almost as much as I love William Wallace in the movie. And in the process of war, he gets wounded. He gets shot right in the left chest and shoulder area with an arrow. And they go in there, and he knows the only way to take care of this wound and to be able to get back into the battle is to take care of that arrow. So they break it off. Below the surface, they they take a hot brand and they sear it and they close that place off so that it will be able to heal up. One of the things that happens to us is that we experience those same assaults on our hearts and we're wounded. And in the process of that unfolding, once our heart is wounded, that arrow is there and there's a poison that wants to flow from that wound. And it's the messages that we hear It's the messages that we receive about that wound. One of the things about the Antoine Fisher story, one of his wounds was, one of the messages of his wound, I'll be all alone. I have nobody with me in life. And because of that, he was very angry. One of the things that um, the person, the man and the kid, in part of his story of what he was experiencing was, I will never cry. He had made a. He had, he was hearing that message as a kid. as one of the wounds that he received in his heart that I will never cry. I'll never be a sensitive man. So what does he grow grow up to become? According to the little boy inside of him, he became a loser. And all the phone, phone messages that was received that he became a jerk. Call him a jerk four times in one day. So does that make him a jerk? So I think he qualifies. And so all this same process goes on inside of us. When our hearts are wounded, our spirits are wounded, and they come from a lot of areas. They can come from our relationships. They can come from our work life. They can come from our church life. And believe me, I've been a pastor in pastoral ministry for over 20 years. I know that battlefield. I know that field and how it unfolds. And you can be severely wounded in church. There are just a lot of life experiences that can come our way that can wound our hearts and those messages are there. The enemy's just pounding away with these messages that he's feeding us from the poison of our wounds. And then if we let it go far enough and we begin to agree with those lies, they turn into vows that we make in our life. Remember the man in the kid? He had vowed that he would never cry. And because of that, he had developed a twitch that he couldn't get rid of. And the little boy recognized it in part of the trailer. You saw that. And the vows. And once you make a vow with these things, with these lies, guess what? They become an agreement. 
and they hold power over you. Remember what it says in Proverbs about a lender? When you come into agreement with him, you give him power over you. You become enslaved to him. Well, guess what? When you do this with the vows and the messages of the wounds of your heart, guess what happens? They gain a power over you, and they have to be dealt with. They have to be broken. It's part of the work that Jesus wants to do with us in changing us, in making us who we are. And then the last part of that is the idea that it leads us into captivity. It leads us into a deep captivity in our lives and holds us in bondage and thus creates that war when we try to be the man or the woman of faith that we feel like God is calling us to be. And then those things that we struggle with. And there's that constant war, like Paul was talking about that. I know I'm supposed to do this, and that's what I want to do with my utmost earnest desires. But this is the stuff that I do. This is the stuff that I give. And it seems like this stuff has more power over me. And it's just a constant war, a constant battle going on. Well, what if all of that could be brought to peace on this side of heaven? What if that is part of what God wants to do inside of you? And all of this leads to a false identity. A false identity. And simply put, what captivity is, and you can move on to the next slide if you want to, What unfolds here is the movement from a false identity of who we think we are to the true identity that God wants to give us in our life. And sanctification, or this transformation, walking in this wide green pasture of abundant life with God is simply your personal transformation into freedom in Christ through the renewing of your mind in order to discern and to live from your true God-given identity. That's part of the work of sanctification. That's part of what God wants to do inside of you. And you see, when we choose not to get better, we only become critical of those who do. It's a great quote by Danny Chambers. When we choose not to get better, we only become critical of those who do. So you see, deep change, transformation, is where Jesus begins. But I want you to see also that deep change, or this deep work of transformation or sanctification, however you would like to call it, it begins with Jesus. Now, I am all for counseling. I am all for trained professional people helping me, helping anyone through those moments of change. But one of the things that I do want to say is this. To deal with the emotional and even the physical things that manifest itself, those things are very, very important. I don't want you to hear me say that they're not. But to fail to deal with the spiritual aspect of those things you will never experience a whole heart. You will never get back your whole heart. That's why this work begins with Jesus. And it's aided, it unfolds, it processes, and it advances in you through a lot of different avenues that God will bring you into in life. But one of the things that I think that is so important that we don't know about Jesus in today's church is that He is the wise and wonderful counselor. He has given us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit, 
who guides us into the truth of who we are, the truth about what's going on around us. And let me tell you, He will nudge your heart and He will nudge your spirit into the exact places it needs to go, into the exact places you need to be. And yes, we'll make mistakes along the way, but you know, my God is great enough that He just carves out a way around that and through it and even finds a way to use it to get me to my desired destination in His heart, in His eyes. So deep change and deep transformation is where Jesus begins. This is where He begins. He can change who we really are. Those things that are at war with who we are and the person of faith that we want to be, He can take care of all of that. He can restore that. He can rebuild that. And He can release that into the world in which you live. He is concerned about this part of who we are. The Lord wants to mold us into His own image. And the way that He does that is pictured in this parable that I shared with you just a few moments ago. The parable of the leaven. The parable of the leaven. It is a parable of the transformation of who we are and the transformation power of a Christ-centered person living from their whole heart. Jesus tells this little story about this lady with a loaf of bread and she sticks a little piece of leaven inside that loaf of bread and that little piece of leftover uh, dough infects that whole lump of dough to create something that's beautiful, to create something that is purposeful, and to create something that is life-giving and something that will sustain us and something that can be shared with the world. What is leaven? Leaven is simply a little piece of dough that is left over from a previous baking. This is Jesus' illustration of hope. If you've come into this place today and you feel hopeless, Jesus wants you to leave knowing His full hope for you. The passage that I was going to use fits in real well here for me. I was going to use Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10. I am my beloved's, and I am his desire. How many times have you heard that in your life? One of the things that I would encourage you to do, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, take that one verse, and for the next two, three weeks, a month, however long the Lord wants you to soak in that verse and okay, and say, okay, Lord, this crazy preacher that was there on Sunday told me this, and I read this from your word, that I'm yours and that I'm your desire. You're not a loser because you belong to Him. And He desires to be with you. And desires for you to be with Him. And for that life flow to exchange between the two of you that brings that abundant life. That brings that abundant life inside of you and in the world around you. This parable describes of the, this parable of the leaven describes how Jesus is working in history. How He works in us. 
and how we are to work in the world. One of the things that I love about this idea about story and my whole reasoning for using these movie clips is I really believe that those stories, for the most part, that Hollywood tells, they are simply co-opting something. They are borrowing some themes from the greatest story. You think about some of the most epic movies and how people have lined up outside the building to hear those stories, and when they experience them, they come out and they're talking about them like it was the most life-changing event that they ever experienced in their life. Why? Because they experienced some of the themes of the greatest stories that had been borrowed by some writer in Hollywood, been co-opted, and they planted them into the way they told their story, and it had an impact on their life. Well, guess what? When you experience the complete story, the whole story, it is the greatest event that you could ever experience in your life. And that if you can ever get a taste of that and an experience with that, guess what? You'll walk away and you will tell the world about it. Brother Nelson would have trouble shutting you up from you talking about it so much in this place and outside this place. But deep change, deep transformation, it begins with Jesus Christ. He is the leaven. He is writing the story. He is at work in us. And He wants to work through us in the world. At one time, Jesus uh, was the physical leaven that was here on earth. Jesus incarnate. He was here. He implanted Himself. And one of the things that was part of God's plan was to take Him back, to sit, sit on the right hand of the Father in heaven in authority. He has all authority. And He is establishing His kingdom. But guess what? We have a role to play in that. He wants to use us in writing that story. He wants to use you in establishing His authority first in your life, in the life of your family, and in the life of your church, and in the life of your community, in the life of your work, in the life of your business, in the life of your leisure, everywhere He takes you. He wants to use you for that single purpose, for that very reason. Let's consider for a moment how this happens. We accept Jesus Christ. We accept Him as our Lord and Savior. And then He begins to change us. He begins to work with us. Now, think about people in Scripture that this literally has unfolded in their life and the way it happened. This is one of the reasons I say it's difficult. It's not for the faint of heart. Think about Jacob, the way he broke through to Jacob, brought him from being a deceit and a cheat in all of his life. Met him one night out in the woods when he thought his brother Esau was, was right there to kill him. And all of a sudden, something's fighting with him. I'm convinced that Jacob must have thought it was Esau, his brother, coming to kill him. And then all of a sudden, in that struggle, it all changes. There's an awareness there that this is somebody sent from God trying to do something for me. He's fighting, and he's fighting, and it's a struggle, and it's a struggle, and it's hard. And he even walks away from this event injured. And he walks with a limp for the rest of his life. But boy, when he walked back across that Jabuk River, walking and limping and his hair all messed up and his dirty and his clothes torn from fighting with this messenger of God, guess what? He had received the greatest blessing in his life. And that's what God wants to bring to you through this process 
of sanctification, of transformation, this change that he wants to bring about deep inside of who you really are. The last thing that I want you to see is this, is that deep change, this transformation, it begins with Jesus, but it flows from your intentional engagement of that journey. It begins from that intentional engagement of your journey. It's where you recognize whatever God is up to in your life, and you're willing to say, it may be hard, It may be like Jacob's story. There may be some struggles. There may be some fights. There may be some things that I don't understand. There may be some things that I misinterpret in the circumstances of my life, God. But I am willing to go with you. I am willing to go with you in this and experience this abundant life. Or maybe it's like Paul, a murderer. Somebody that would give his life over to the government to bring about their cause, what they wanted done, was murdering Christians. And all of a sudden he was knocked off his horse and his life totally, totally changed. You could bring up any biblical character that you wanted to talk about, their story, their testimony, their witness to what God had done. And you will see this pattern. You'll see this unfold. And God wants it to unfold in your life and it only will at the level that you intentionally engage God in this relationship. And there are some things that I want to leave you with this morning on intentional engagement of this journey with God. One, this is something that we encourage people to do. So I want to leave you with four or five things that you can, you can wrap your arms around and, and use this. They're going to come up on the next slide. First one is... How would I describe myself? When we think about this morning in in practical terms, what would I say? How would I describe myself? One of the things I've learned over the last six, seven, eight years is that sometimes I have a much different view of myself than my wife does, my children do, do, uh, the people around me do. So one of the things that I've gotten into the habit of doing is not just asking myself this question, but this comes in one of the ones later on. Ask them what they think about me, what they see about me. I would encourage you, how would I describe myself? The next one is, how would the people around me describe me? If you're married, how would your wife describe you? Now be prepared. This is painful, can be painful, can be very difficult, can be very tough, can be very humiliating sometimes. But I prayed, and in my own journey of this stuff, I asked the Lord, okay, Lord, you provide for me the right times. I never will forget the look on my children when I sat down with them. They were reluctant. They, I could see them draw back. And initially, one of my children even refused to go there with me. So it's important to ask the people around you, your wife, your children, your coworkers, somebody, that, but let it be somebody that you trust. Pray and ask God for a safe bubble of grace with this stuff. Don't just take this to anybody. My wife likes to say, don't bleed around sharks. There's a lot of truth to that because they'll feed off of your bleeding sometimes. Use some discernment about this. Let the Lord lead you and guide you in this. And I'll tell you something. Your pastor understands this better than anybody. Ask him, to, ask him if he can walk with you through that. Nelson even knows that he can call on me if the load gets a little bit too heavy sometimes for him. He can call on me. I'll do anything I can to help you. I've dedicated my life to this message 
I'll do anything that I can to help you walk through these things. Another aspect that's real important about this is would, do, would I like to forgive anyone? Is there somebody in this journey that maybe has wounded me that, I've gotta, that I need to forgive? And that's a difficult one too. List five positive things that you know about yourself. And then list five negative struggles or five things that you struggle with in your life if you have that many struggles. You can list those five negative things about yourself and ask God to accentuate the good things in your life. Make those surface and come alive. And then ask God to help you mercifully, gracefully, and kindly walk through those things with Him. One of the things I've learned, God will do this in the most gracious manner that you could ever imagine unless we refuse to go there with Him unless we refuse to go there with Him when He's working in our lives with these things. And when that unfolds in that way, it can be some tough going. We, it can be tough when God decides, okay, it's time to pull back the fig leaf and expose the real you. And He does that sometimes in Scripture. You can see those stories. And then the last one is, what would Jesus say about you? And I want to encourage you. I really believe that God is still speaking When he said he had many more things to say to us, I think he really had many more things to say to us. I believe that's part of the reason he gave us the Holy Spirit. Walk with him and let him speak to these things in your life. And guess what? The things that you wrestle with, the things that you struggle with, that keep you from being the man or woman of faith, that you know God has called you to be, you know that that's your true identity. And you're tired of this thing looking like a glamour shot when you know you want it to be the true reality in your life. Guess what? God clears all of that up in this process. That doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a walk. I've been walking this journey for about 35 years now in my own life. And, and just beginning to know some of the most peaceful parts of the greenest pasture of the abundant life that God intended me to know in this. So don't give up and don't think it's going to happen overnight. Just embrace the intentionality of engaging this part of who you are. And you will be amazed at how the kingdom becomes established in you and released through you. And then you will begin to be amazed at what happens in your life. You will be amazed at the response of people that begin to walk into the orbit of your spiritual walk. And they'll come in one by one. And what they experience, you'll, you'll just stand back and God will say, I want to show you something, just listen. And they'll say something and you'll walk away. Wow, I did not know that my life could have that kind of effect. And all it is is a life in the hands of Jesus, in the presence of Jesus. And when people experience that, they are drawn to Jesus in that. Now, I've thrown a lot at you this morning. As we close... I want to close with a time of invitation and just want to close it with this thought. What Christ has been in us, we are to be to the world. Who we are, our personality, is a window into that world of Jesus Christ, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's what this should be. That's why He has given us that responsibility. Now, something has been shared and worship and the fellowship in the truth of this word that you want to respond to this morning 
Uh, we're going to have just a time of commitment here in just a minute. And as we have this time of commitment, the worship team can come on up if you need to at this time. One of the things that I just want, want them to do, I want them to lead us during this time. If you need someone to pray with you, talk with you through anything related to this, anything that related to what the Lord laid on your heart, I want to pray with you. Uh, the front is open here. If you want to come sit here at the front and pray, you're welcome to do that. But I want to close this time out with just a word of prayer and uh, just encourage you. Just encourage you and say a blessing over you of what God has brought up in your heart and spirit that He wants to sign, seal, and deliver in all of you. Jesus, we thank You that You are patient, that You are kind. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.